Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavosnin, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Ginocchio, founder of Chasing Amazing Blog and a current editor and writer at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, for a special Spider Talk and their Amazing Friends episode of the show. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and a creator as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, Dan, and for this episode, we will be talking to uh, a recurring guest and friend of the show, Jerry Conway, the the storied Spider-Man writer, murderer of Gwen Stacy, uh, current writer of the recently completed Spiral miniseries and the upcoming Carnage series. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to him, but as always, remember, if you hear this sound... Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. All right, Dan. Well, uh, Jerry's got some pretty cool insights about what went into his Spiral series, what to expect in Carnage, and uh, and we even got to ask him a little bit about the uh, upcoming Punisher and Netflix Daredevil. So why don't we just go right to the interview and that great, amazing Friends theme song. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Hey, this is Mark Chinacchio with Dan Kavazdin, and we got a special guest here on Amazing Spider Talk. We uh, have a returning guest. It's Jerry Conway, the, the legendary writer. I know, Jerry, you, you don't like always being called a legend, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep using it here <laughs> until, uh, until it's otherwise uh, told not to do it anymore. Um, Jerry, uh, we're gonna, we're, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your recently concluded spiral arc on Amazing Spider-Man as well as your upcoming Carnage series, but uh, why don't you also just let us let the listeners out there know some of the other things you're known for we, we won't we won't mention the obvious we'll let you do that one <laughs> okay well i'm uh, uh this of course jerry conway and uh i was the uh creator of the punisher we can get that out of the way uh killed uh killed off gwen stacy in uh amazing spider-man uh, 121 i think it was and uh I'm the co-creator of Firestorm, uh, which is appearing on Flash and Legends of Tomorrow uh, this season, and uh, a variety of other characters over the years. That's got to be really exciting to see Firestorm on TV. <clears throat> it is. It is. It's especially exciting to see that it's uh, 
the, the original setup of the characters of uh, Ronnie Raymond and uh, Professor Stein, uh, who share Firestorm's uh, uh, powers. So it's 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 kind of cool. It's 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 been a, a really weird experience seeing all this stuff that I did 35 years ago or whatever suddenly becoming pop culture uh, material. So it's kind of kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure that when you were thinking of, you know, characters that you've created that would go on to become pop culture phenoms, you know, Firestorm probably wasn't the top of the list at the time, no, right? I mean, no, <laughs> I, I always I always figured that that was one character that would never be adapted anywhere, uh, uh, because, you know, we we were so self conscious about the idea of doing doing a character that would encourage kids to set their hair on fire. So you know, we, just, we just figured, well, oh, maybe in the comics it'll be okay. But you know, nobody nobody in the mainstream media is ever going to do anything with this. And immediately it was on on Saturday morning cartoons, and then went on. Uh, now it's on uh, network TV. So it's kind of it's kind of surreal. After Guardians of the Galaxy, like no character is too obscure to be made into something. Absolutely. Well, you know what? It, what it what it reinforces to me is is the knowledge uh, that everybody uh, every everybody has a favorite character from their childhood, and those characters uh, may seem you know uh, kind of inexplicable <laughs> if, if if you're not if they were not part of your childhood, but you can always find a way to to, to enhance them and and update them into uh, you know mo- the modern era. I mean. In my case, I'm very fortunate that Jeff Johns was a big fan of the Detroit Justice League. So <laughs> here we are. And I have, you know, characters like Vibe uh, being brought back uh, onto, on, uh, as a mainstream character on uh, uh, The Flash. And th- th- that's just strange, you know. It's just strange. Hmm. But it's wonderful. Well, definitely. Well, we as, as much as uh, I'm, I'm actually a really huge fan of The Flash and looking forward to the second season. But we want to talk Spider Man with you, Jerry, because that's that's Absolutely. that's what we're that's what we're that's what we're nerds about. Um, I guess it's a little more obvious of a one. You probably get asked far more Spider Man questions than Firestorm ones. Absolutely. Um, sure. <laughs> but last month, uh, a, a five part uh, mini series uh, spiral. Well, it was. Do, do we count it as a mini series, Dan? It's like that we the point one series whatever you want to call it uh uh continuity be damned um just concluded uh and you uh, you know you you wrote uh, all five parts of that it, it kind of brought spider-man back to the the underworld with a gang war with hammerhead and tombstone and mr negative and black cat and um you know it's funny when we were at when i met you at new york comic-con in october jerry uh the there was just some news starting to leak that you were going to be working on something. And I was just in small talk said, Oh, I heard you're working on something. You're like, I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, now that the cat's obviously way out of the bag, um, just to, you know, kind of go back to the beginning here. How did, how did spiral come together? I mean, was this something that you had been kind of sitting on or, or did Marvel come to you and say, Hey, we want to do street level Spider-Man. What, what, what was the genesis of this, of the storyline? Well, we, we were talking about the idea of me doing something for Marvel and the, uh, and obviously uh, the uh, character that, I, that I was most associated with was Spider-Man. So uh, Axel Alonso put me in touch with the editor of Spider-Man at that time. 
And he and I talked about broad strokes, what would we like to do? And I said, you know, I, 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 with all of the, the storylines of uh, these world-shattering, world-shaking storylines that were going on in Spider-Man, I felt like we, were, we had missed uh, a dimension of Spider-Man that was important to the character, which was his down-to-earth battling of crooks you know? I mean, that it's not it's not all interdimensional uh, fun and games you know it's uh, he started out as a guy who was trying to catch uh you know thieves and robbers and things slowly escalated from there and i always felt that was a venue that that he worked well in uh, so my initial pitch was like uh, can i do something that's set in a street level environment and they were happy with that and then the notion that I had is I always, I, doing the story, I knew that I was not going to be able to focus on anything that was would affect uh, Peter Parker or Spider-Man because it was going to be a, uh, a sidebar story no matter what, what I did. So it, with that being the reality, I had, a, had to approach it the way that I had approached uh, Web of Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man when David Mitchellany was writing uh, Amazing Spider-Man which was to focus on a supporting cast as my main, uh, main characters that, I, that uh, whose stories I would be following. And with that in mind, I thought uh, I'd like to do an arc that featured uh, a good character going bad. Uh, and we talked over, they liked that idea. We talked over which character that might be. Uh, I wanted to write a female character, uh, and I thought it would be interesting to take someone like Yuri Watanabe, who was kind of peripheral, but you know, still uh, had come back into Spider-Man's orbit in the, the previous year or so during uh, the Superior Spider-Man arc, and and see what would happen if someone who was committed supposedly to uh, the good, you know, the, the, a good orientation, you know, like like if you're and and put her in a situation where a series of spiraling bad decisions just left her at the end of the series uh, as one of the bad guys. And they liked the idea, so that's what we did. <laughs> I, like, you created, like, Hammerhead and Tombstone, and, and you wrote, like, the Lobo Brothers Gang War. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it about these kind of, like, street-level or gang-related stories that, that you that like most? Yeah. Well, because that's that's actually the era of Spider-Man that I, I started reading uh, the character. I, I, I started reading Spider-Man with, I think, issue six or seven. Uh, and the first real uh, focused multi-part story was the Crime Master story. Sure. Uh, that was, I think, issues like 13, 15, something like that, uh, somewhere in there. And I loved it, you know. I mean, I, I loved the aspect of the, the kind of Dick Tracy aspect to some of Spider-Man's villains. And when I came onto the book um, uh, in the early '70s, the, the character was still pretty down to earth. You know, it hadn't done, ha hadn't really fought any truly enormously superpowered villains. I think the highest, you know, his his biggest. Uh, uh, most powerful uh, characters that he fought were people like Doc Ock and Sandman. Maybe Sandman had the, the, the biggest powers, you know, that, that he had to fight. Uh, so when uh, John and I were, t were talking over stories to do, 
we both talked over the, talked about the idea of doing uh, uh, Dick Tracy type villains, and one of the first that we came up with was Hammerhead. Uh, again, so that I could recapture my youth and go back and do the kind of story that I like to read, uh, uh, the, the kind of crime master type story. So that was a that was a big part of the appeal to me of those characters. Uh, I've always, as I say, I've always seen Spider-Man as a most effective when he's cracking jokes and, and punching characters rather than when he's flying around in space and dealing with uh, uh, cosmic forces. I just, to me, that's sort of a mismatch. But, you know, the fans like it, so who am I to, yeah. to judge? And I feel like it's moved more towards that. I mean, and, and, and I mean, even now, I'm, you know, we... You know, we've we've had a decade where Spider-Man was an Avenger, and I mean, you know, even with mm-hmm. the recent Marvel Sony deal uh, with the cinematic universe, I mean, you know, it, this the the end game is going to be Spider-Man with the Avengers fighting Thanos. So it's like, yeah. it, it, they're, they're just, you know, it's it's. I yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I actually yeah, it just it, it, there, there seems to be that pull in that direction. Yet, I mean. You know, reading something like Spiral, and you know, I know Dan agrees with me. I mean, it just felt very organic in terms of this is Spider-Man. You know, I, yeah. I, I just I don't know how you how you reconcile that in terms of where the character has gone, and you know, in well, as ways. I sa- as I say, this was a sidebar story, so we had the freedom to to do something like this. I mean, I recognize too that that uh, it, it, to to a degree, Dan Dan Slott is. Uh, made us all very aware that those old street level characters are no longer a serious threat to Spidey. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, uh, we, we, we have like that, 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 that bar that, that, uh, the black cat owns where they, they all hang out and, uh, you know, compare bruises and wounds. And it's uh, one of my favorite, uh, of the the superior books was the superior foes of Spider-Man, where you know the the five loser uh, villains you know hang out together and p- perform badly in cr- in crimes. I mean, I, I find that very amusing, but it's also at the same time kind of disheartening because these characters used to be serious threats that could occupy Spidey for an issue or two of of high drama, <laughs> you know. And now they're now they're really uh, to be perfectly blunt, you know, uh, uh, really minor weak T villains compared to what, what he has to face on a, you know, when he does a story like the, uh, when he faces a, 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 a opponents like he did in uh, the Spider-Verse series. So yeah, this, to, if anything, was probably a, more of a nostalgic tip of the hat to an old vision of Spidey that, that we'll probably not see again for a while. But uh, that was kind of what my, my brief was, you know, to, to, to do that. You're breaking Mark and I's hearts, I think, here. <laughs> well, you know, mine too. I mean, you know, honestly, uh, I, I, I like that. I, I, I like what, what they do. It's, it's sort of weird. You know, you, you, you read both. You be, you, if you've been around long, a long time, as I have, as you guys have, you know, you've seen the character go through a lot of different changes. And you, and you know that... that we're constantly seeing new readers come in who have different sets of expectations than older readers. Um, and you have to answer those expectations as a, as a, uh, a publishing company. You can't, 
you know, force, you can't force them to read things uh, the way that you might want them to read things, you know, they are, they, the readers decide. Uh, and this book I think did pretty well, but, but one of the reasons I think it did relatively well is it because it, because of the numbering as a point, uh, series, uh, people picked it up, you know, thinking that it was part of the regular Spider-Man continuity. Uh, when, as I say, it was a kind of a spot, a sidebar. Uh, so it benefited from that association, but I think if it, on its own, if you took Spider-Man and took him in this direction today, I don't know that the readers would embrace it. You know? Well, one of the things I want to compliment you on, I don't know if this is necessarily a question, is that you were able to incorporate the superior story mm-hmm. into your story and make it maybe not a key part of it, but it informed a lot of his decisions and... Yeah. And that's something that, like, I, you know, I feel like reading Spider-Man comics today, we just barrel ahead, you know, with very little time yeah. to think back. And it was really refreshing to see that in your book. Well, I had an advantage over, over Dan, too, because uh, while, as I say, since this is a sidebar, uh, I don't have to set things up for the next big uh, 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 you know, event. You know, it's, I don't have to deal with the repercussions of the last event and, you know, set up the next event. I mean, Dan, Dan had two major events uh, that followed one right on the, after the other. You know, you, you end up with uh, the Superior Spider-Man storyline, which, which in a rational universe, you should spend about a year, year and a half dealing with the, with the, the uh, aftermath of that. Because uh, there's a whole series of rich storylines that that should be plumbed, uh, resulting from that that uh, 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 event. But unfortunately, from a publishing point of view, you have to move on to the next big event, which is Spider Verse, and then Spider Verse distracts you from being able to really deal with the repercussions of uh, Superior. And then by the time you're done with Spider Verse. It's been now a year and a half since Superior. So, like, who's who remembers what happened then? And I just felt like I had I had the opportunity to do a little bit of you know uh, integration, you know, of of, of the, the those two events, you know, referencing uh, the, the questions of choice and responsibility that come out of uh, came out of Spider Verse with the repercussions of uh, uh, what what happened to. New York City's underworld as a result of, uh, of, of Doc Ock's actions in Superior. So I, I, I had that breathing room to do that in, which I don't think Dan had uh, with, with his books. So it's, maybe this would be a way for, for Marvel to think about you know, doing things in the future is that create a, a, a secondary title that deals with the repercussions of the events. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that, I was going to ask you that because I mean, this, they clearly wanted, you know, someone to come in and you wrote this story. Like, I wonder if this is, they just, they have a 1.1 coming out with him dealing with some strange, bizarre zombie threat. But like, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if they're going to pursue, or if you have any knowledge that they're looking to pursue doing more of these tangential storylines. Well, I think I don't think so because there was some debate over when we when we first were uh, 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 putting this one together whether this was going to be a point book or it was going to be a separate mini series, and 
And most of the, the uh, tie-ins that, that related to uh, Superior and uh, uh, Spider-Verse were, were things that I put in on my own. I wasn't directed to do that. Oh. So, th- so it, wasn't, it wasn't like somebody, there was some master plan. We were, the, the only master plan was uh, it would be fun to do something that, that's not going to be uh, echoed in the main book and that won't interfere with whatever storyline is going on in the main book. As I say, there's a sidebar, so I really couldn't do anything that that fundamentally affected Peter or uh, uh, Spider-Man. You know that their their uh, their character development. Uh, so I had to work on another character's development. Right. Um, well, one of the subplots that you integrated from the Superior and from Dan Slots. Uh, uh, you know, run with with the AS, ASM reboot was kind of this the heel turn and underworld underworld ascent of the black cat, right. and you know I'm curious, you know what 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 do you think of that? I mean, like this is this is uh, this is kind of a character turn that you know I think some fans have either embraced or or have not, and and you know you worked well with it. Um, so I'm just curious, is I mean, do you see black cat in this universe, or I mean? What's your take on it? <laughs> well, I think it's fun. I think I think you mean will, will she show up after Secret Wars? Uh, I th- my guess is that they've invested a lot of time and energy into uh, strengthening her as a as a villainess. So uh, I, my guess would be that that she'll play a, a fairly uh, prominent role. Well, I just meant. Did, I mean, did you feel did you feel comfortable writing her in the fashion that you wrote her as more yeah, as a villainess yeah. rather than you know the flirtatious sidekick or whatever she's been prior? to Yeah, I, I thought I thought it kind of worked. I mean, it was uh, uh, it's a way to get some some antagonism going, uh, and it, and it gave me a voice to, to articulate some of some of the other issues you know about uh, what was going on. I, uh, I think I think she's an interesting character as a villainous, uh, but as with anything in the in the Marvel universe or even in the DC universe, we know that this is a temporary situation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's there's going to be some evolution at some point where uh, there's going to be a, a, a resolution to that. So uh, for right now, it's it's a it's a fun. Uh, uh, a fun take, you know, that, that, uh, I think was pr- relatively properly motivated. I mean, it might've, it might've needed a little more strengthening that, than, than it had in, uh, because of the distraction of the, of the spider verse, uh, uh, you know, interregnum between the, the, the end of the, 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 the superior Spider-Man arc and the beginning of the post spider verse arc, uh, if we had been able to follow and develop more of Felicia during that period, it might have felt more uh, uh, integrated, but, it, but, it, but they didn't have that option. Um, going from something silly like the Black Cat, or maybe she's not silly, but she's not fairly serious to something serious. Um, is Your book here, <clears throat> Spiral, was released during the context of all these police officer murders and, mm. and interactions with citizens and ways that have made the news and and I think should be alarming to to people. Um, Was this an intentional reflection on these stories that have been happening in America for a long time? Um, And and if so, what did you want to say about, uh, like, the institutional police violence in the country? Well, uh, 
two things. I mean, the the story was originally plotted uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, we originally started work on this, uh, I think, in February of last year. So that tells you how far back you know, this was mm, going. Sure. Uh, we didn't, I didn't actually start writing it until uh, probably last summer, which was around when things started to heat up around Ferguson. And, uh, and, and that opened... Uh, the door for you know exploring those social issues, but as, as I mentioned in other interviews, I actually uh, came from a, a family of, of police. Uh, my uncle was a cop, uh, and my dad had been a policeman, and I was a kind of I'm, I'm pretty. I, I won't say I, I was raised in that environment, you know, so that I, it's part of my uh, coding. But I, I really definitely recognize the issues that that operate for guys and women in that in in that world uh it's there's a, a a real problem with the way that police are trained and uh how they're supported by society you know they're they're a a necessary uh force but very often they're not given the kind of social support where they can uh, learn how to uh, learn how to operate effectively. That, that's under the best case scenarios. Under the worst case scenarios, uh, like we see in, in many minority communities, they are they are, they are basically uh, made to be an occupying force to support the uh, external elite power structure. So it's an even worse situation. Um, in terms of Yuri, what I wanted to get across with her was that she was somebody who saw herself uh, as a cop, and that, that was her how she identified herself. And what that meant for her personally was that her loyalty was not uh, to the city, and it wasn't to the population. Her loyalty was to other cops. And to the degree that she felt supported by her uh, uh, her organization and her fellow police, that's the degree that she felt safe, rational, and, and uh, fulfilled. And then as that started to break down, and then as she ultimately, you know, was, was ostracized uh, by that support mechanism, uh, she has nowhere else to go. Uh, many cops, I think, do have a, a, a real problem with, with socialization outside of the police uh, police world, you know, I mean, that's their lives. And once they're in effect removed from that, either through retirement or, you know, through, uh, some other action, they, they have no life. It's <laughs> just, they're just, mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of helpless and it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, but that of course doesn't excuse any of the, the behavior that, that happens. Uh, but, but it also explains it because if you're kind of in this very uh, uh, close social network of, of people who think like you and uh, see the world the way you do and feel antagonistic towards the outside uh, uh, population, you know, the way that you do, you're kind of supported in a, in a, in a, in a, in a crazy mindset. And uh, I don't know if I, I, I had sufficient room or, or, or sufficient, uh, uh, 
uh, thematic room to, ma to make that clear. But that was sort of where I was coming from, uh, you know, in my own point of view on the on the character. Certainly, I think a lot of the monologues in Spiral, or I guess like thought monologues from, right. from Peter, really, I thought it was really even-handed and and not what I was expecting, you know, in, in, from a, mm -hmm. a superhero and supervillain book where <laughs> people are good and bad and, and shades of gray are often left out in lieu of punching. Uh, right. So uh, I found sometimes all you really want to do is punch them in the face. Sure, <laughs> sure. I, I just found it wholly refreshing. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I, did, I did try to put some, put, you know, I mean, you try, you try to serve a, a multiple, a multitude of masters when you're doing a, a, a comic book story. You want to do something that's that's fun to read, a, uh, that's going to be entertaining and uh, and uh, hopefully. Uh, uh, pops on the page, but then at the end of the day, you do. You also want to have uh, leave leave at least some resonance, you know, where people have got something to think about. <laughs> you know, hopefully, uh, more than the five minutes that they spend reading the comic or the ten minutes. Uh, some of us, it takes an hour per issue, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you really get into it. I, I, I'm astonished how fast fast these books read now. <laughs> I, I used to spend an afternoon. You know, it's like I used to. Maybe maybe it's just the retrospective being. You know, when you were a kid, the days seemed to go on forever. Uh, but it, it always seemed to me that comics took a lot longer to read than they than they do now. Uh, well, I, I I think Dan is amazed because you know he'll joke with me sometimes uh, about how quickly I read through Brian Michael Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man because I had it on the uh, Marvel unlimited app. And I mean, those books, cause especially since they're so kind of um, decompressed in terms of the narrative, I mean, like you, you can, you can blow through five of those in like yeah. a half hour. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, <laughs> well also like, Bendis writes such, such quick, fast, smart dialogue that it flows right. so quickly. You know, it's, it's, right. it just zooms along. Yeah. I'm also yeah. reading his Daredevil right now, and that's taking a while because you can read about law, and then you can read Daredevil and really read about law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he well he varies it according to his to to the material, right? You know, he's yeah. uh, uh, he's a very thoughtful writer. Um, well, you know, you you kind of talked about from from a spiral standpoint what you were looking to give readers, and I thought that that made a segue into uh, what. New work you're gonna that you're gonna be putting out in the coming months, which is this Carnage series. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be hitting this hitting the the racks. If, are there still racks? I don't even know. <laughs> Somewhere uh, there's a rack. Yeah. <laughs> one rack left in America. Get your get your one spinner rack. Uh, in was it in November? Is the first issue uh, launching, or is it late October? Um, uh, they don't tell me the dates, but uh, that sounds about right. We're, okay. we're halfway through the art on the uh, first issue right now, so. I think I think Mike Perkins will be done in a couple of weeks with uh, issue one, which means I have to finish issue two. <laughs> Do they send so, the art to you page by page? Yes, yeah, I get I get to see the uh, the pencils and the inks. I mean, it's it's really neat because uh, I mean, first of all, it keeps you motivated, you know, because <laughs> the stuff looks so great. Uh, but it also uh, allows if there's any if you're noticing anything that's uh, trending off from from where, what, where it needs to go for story purposes, you can, you can at least uh, throw your two cents in and say, guys, we need to put this over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, well, Jerry, I think I think Dan and I were both surprised to hear that your name was attached to a Carnage series. Not not because not as surprised as I was. Yeah, well, so 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 what what's what happened here? I mean, did, did, well, you, did you lose a bet or no? No, no, not at all. No, uh, actually, I, I had while we were working on Spiral, Nick Nick uh, uh, Lowe and I were really enjoyed working together, and I I, I said, you know, if there's anything you know that we can do after this, I'd be I'd be open to it. And uh, he came to me and said, you know, we're, we're thinking of doing a, a Carnage series. Uh, and I was like, oh, how would that actually work? You know, it's, it's like huh. another, vil, you know, a villain book, you know, didn't seem. And he said, but well, here's the take. It's like what you did when you set up Tomb of Dracula. And I said, oh, I get that. You know, it's like, I, in other words, uh, Carnage is Dracula in this uh, context. <laughs> and uh our characters are the equivalent of the the people that pursued him in uh, Tomb of Dracula, and that was a that was a format that I could see some value to, uh, because you're using Carnage as, as a kind of a force of nature that passes through the situation, and people's the people are reacting to it, but they're also proactively pursuing him. Uh, and each has their own story, and each of their stories interact, uh, and hopefully creates some drama and friction and uh, and character byplay. Uh, so once Nick sort of pitched that take to me, I started getting some ideas that uh, I, I hope you know will will play off of this, uh, and just using Carnage uh, as a way into a. a, a into a, a, a larger story, you know, about these, these people who are pursuing him. Anytime a writer says that carnage is going to be a force of nature, I just want to hug them and, and say, you, you got it because he is just <laughs> not that interesting of a character. And like, he's very interesting as a force of nature, I think. Sure. Well, it's in a way, I mean, if you, I'm thinking this as a, uh, First of all, it's not going to be any. I'm not even going to be trying to be quote deep, you know, the way that I was quote deep if I was on Spiral. Uh, Spiral was a that was a contained story that that was a character arc driven story, and with with uh, Carnage, I'm thinking of it more as a. Uh, I mean, it's a horror. It's a horror series, you know. It's it's he's and I, I know this may have uh, uh, connotations, but I don't. But try to keep those out of your head, but he's, he's the combination of the Freddy Krueger, the, the Michael Myers, uh, the, uh, 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 the, the guy in Saw, you know, who, who presents the threat. Uh, and our story is actually about the people who are dealing with the threat. Uh, he is hopefully interesting you know, I mean, I, I always found Freddy Krueger, you know, at least in the, in the first and the last uh, 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 Nightmare films to be kind of interesting because he was uh, over the top, but, but also extremely menacing and, and freaky. Uh, but he's not, he, he's more of a, uh, uh, because he's a- absolutely out of his mind, uh, he's, he's not somebody who can drive a story. You know, he can't he can't, he can't motivate things because his motivation is chaos. Uh, but he can be uh, 
a motivating force in the same way that Hurricane Katrina is a motivating force, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and you want to you want to get out of the path of it or you want to save people who are in the path of it. Uh, and that can lead you to some interesting storylines and character lines for the people who are caught up in that uh, in that gale force wind. I mean, are there any carnage stories that you're gonna that you're leaning on just for some inspiration, or are you just? I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. okay. The, the the basic this goes back to his first. Uh, what's what springboards this uh, to a degree is his first uh, uh, mass killing. Uh, the, the orphanage fire that uh, he, he uh, uh, set back in when he was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, this is about the one who got away. And she, it was a young woman, obviously, uh, oddly enough, since this was a all-boys orphanage. Uh, and she is now... Uh, the head of security at a, uh, a mine in uh, West Virginia. Uh, he sees her on a uh, news broadcast, you know, because there's, they're talking about reopening this mine and after a natural disaster. And he's kind of pissed because, you know, he usually kills everybody he goes after and he didn't yeah. get her. <laughs> so he goes after her. Uh, but it turns out, and this I'm not giving anything away that you won't discover on page four of the first issue, uh, <laughs> this is a setup. <laughs> she is, she's bait in a trap, and uh, she is not exactly helpless bait, but uh, she is, uh, she's the cheese uh, for Carnage, who's the rat in this case. Uh, <laughs> and our other characters who are being brought in are uh, Jonah James, uh, J., uh, John Jameson. Uh, is going to be one of the continuing characters. And uh, Eddie Brock are part of this group of people who are uh, gathered together under the direction of a uh, FBI special agent uh, to uh, take Carnage down. Is and of course, the both toxin inf infested Eddie Brock? Yes, it is. So, and I would say, and John Jameson, of course, was the man wolf at one point. Yes, so, he, yes he was. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, seeing, I, teased. I, I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yes, we all have our demons. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Jerry, do you turn into a wolf at, by night? <laughs> well, werewolf by night. Uh, and believe it or not, that's part of it, too. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I wanted to do is to, uh, to drag in some old ideas that I'd had from, uh, from my other horror uh, writing in the, in the past. So some of that stuff is coming up in this, too. Uh, but I don't want to you know, give too much of it away because some of it is going to be pretty obvious right away, but some of it isn't. Uh, oh, yeah, we don't want to push. We want to be surprised too. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of this. I mean, uh, the way I, the way that I'm really approaching this one is this is a movie. Uh, this this these are supposed to be big set pieces, uh, action and and hopefully witty dialogue. Uh, nothing that's going to like uh, challenge us too much, you know. But but it's going to hopefully be very entertaining. Uh, you know, it's a it's a scare fest. You know, that's basically it. And hopefully, hopefully it'll be scary, and hopefully it'll be fun. You know, and people will laugh at some of the lines, and uh, you know, cringe at others. Hopefully, <laughs> in all likelihood. <laughs>
you know, not to, not to keep changing gears on you, Jerry, but, um, you know, you, you had mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you were the creator of The Punisher. And, and I just wanted to ask you about this just because, you know, we're starting to get more and more teasers. Uh, but uh, so we got the recent announcement that, that The Punisher is going to be a key part of the second season of Daredevil on Netflix. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just curious, you know, it, it, we've obviously had some Punisher, uh, pop culture Punisher in, you know, over the last... 10, 15 years or so with this, with the couple of movies that came out. But, you know, now that it's kind of like back with the Marvel cinematic universe and kind of tying into this larger project on Netflix. Uh, I mean, what, 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 what are you anticipating for Punisher on this? And I mean, you have any thoughts on who they cast to play this John Bernthal from walking dead? I mean, any, any reactions to any of this news? Well, I think it's, uh, I, I, I don't think Bernthal would have been somebody I would have cast, but, but, uh, he certainly has a great presence, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I, and honestly, it's got to be whatever they do is going to be a lot better than what has been done in the past. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful in that sense. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, I liked the first season of Daredevil. I had some problems with some of the pacing in it. You know, I, I felt like uh, the mid the mid section of the series didn't quite hold together. Uh, but, you know, generally speaking, I thought it was a, a pretty dynamite uh, show. And I have a lot of confidence in the second season because, uh, from what I've heard, they've got some, some really top talent uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm, it's part of this uh, whole weird, you know, renaissance of material from the 70s and 80s finding its way into uh, – the pop culture, you know, the, of the aughts or the, the teens now. Uh, so it's, it's cool. You know, I hope, I, I hope he wears a skull on his shirt, but I haven't seen that so far. So, uh, oh, he better. Yeah. I, th- I think they're. I think that maybe they'll save it for the last episode. Yeah, they're gonna. Have, they're gonna have to do that. It's such an icon now. Like, yeah. they would really be missing out if they didn't do that. Yeah. yeah well, they teased so us too. with they they teased us with Daredevil's costume till the very end. So yeah, you never exactly. Know yeah. And apparently, they're even redesigning that too. So who knows? I'd be I'd be glad to hear that because I wasn't that that wild about uh, the original I mean the the, the version that, that that appeared in that last episode yeah I think but, everyone was like let's put it have him put the black back on yeah it just seemed it, I don't know it just se- it, it just seemed a little ill-fitting you know it didn't didn't seem I don't know but you know who am I I'm not a costume designer uh, but generally if they've done a pretty darn good job with uh, designing the costumes for the Marvel books uh, so speaking of like how people have been portrayed, what are your thoughts on um, how Punisher has been uh, depicted in pop culture over the years? Like, I, obviously you seemed to express that you didn't love it, but like, do you have a version that you enjoy, or are they all cringeworthy to you? I liked the little. I liked the. Uh, have you seen the the the, the, the five ten minute uh, video that Tom Jane did? Yeah. Uh, dirty laundry. I liked that. I thought that was a pretty good <laughs> version of the Punisher. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I think it's. I think it's a problem because until recently, nobody's quite known how to how to t- do that character in to- in terms of tone. Uh, you know, you go back to the Dolph Lundgren version. That's just you know way off. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Thomas Jane version it was fine, but. You know, it was unbalanced by uh, 
the, uh, uh, the the characters around him. You know, the the specifically the uh, uh, John Travolta, you know, character. So finding that that right tone, maybe maybe doing it on the small screen. You know, doing it on a on something that doesn't require a, a big budget, you know, to, to justify to justify itself, you know, and it can be more personal and more uh, down to earth. Might be exactly the way to, to do it. Uh, and Netflix, you know, has the advantage of, of having no real uh, uh, taboos, you know, that, that that they that they can't, you know, cross. So. That could work very well. I think Kingpin crossed about all of them in the first season. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty powerful stuff. I mean, you know, when you you've got a guy who like smashes somebody's head with a door, a uh, car door, uh, smashes it to a pulp. I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, a very violent show, uh, and and that's kind of where you have to go with 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 a character like the Punisher, and 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 it should raise questions of is this right or wrong? You know, is, is this guy, I mean, he should be a morally ambiguous character. I mean, I know that, 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 uh, fans generally look past that, you know, and just admire his, his, uh, uh, determination and, uh, and, uh, uh, takes no prisoners that sort of attitude, but, but he's really a very morally compromised character. I mean, he's somebody who kills without, without compunction. And there's a bit of a sociopathic side to that. Uh, that I think you have an opportunity to explore over 13 episodes that you wouldn't have, you know, in a two-hour movie where he's got to be a sympathetic uh, protagonist. Cool. Now, I mean, something that, that I've always found interesting, and, you know, you could obviously make the same argument with the character Kingpin, but, you know, Punisher, obviously, you created him as an adversary for Spider-Man, or at least he first yeah. appeared in Spider-Man. But, like, it seems like over the years... You know, first starting with Frank Miller's run on Daredevil and then other creators, he's kind of been co-opted by the Daredevil universe. Now, granted, this is all street level, but we had that conversation earlier <laughs> about Spider-Man and street level. But my, my long-winded way of saying is, I mean, do you, do you still see the, the, the value in trying to hook up Spider-Man and Punisher either in a movie or in a TV series or something? Or do you think that the character is just way too much a part of this other universe now and to bring it in would probably just cause confusion and angry well, fans think, and stuff? I think he could work in a comic book story. I don't think you could... I, I don't think... A character like the Punisher... In let's say let's say we put him into the the, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know the, the movie the movie end of things. His power level, but just taking it on that that uh, uh, scale, puts him at at a level of a character like Hawkeye. Uh, so, just as Hawkeye has problems being relevant in that universe. Uh, a character like Punisher would have problems being relevant in that universe. I'm ta- just talking about power levels, you know, not not mm-hmm. necessarily character levels. Oh, of course. Now, from a tonal point of view, he's way out of. I mean, if you're going to do him correctly, he would be way out of the tone of the Marvel universe because the the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, about the darkest that it's ever gotten, uh, was maybe uh, scenes in Captain America: Winter Soldier. You know. Uh, where 
you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, the the betrayal of, of American citizens by their government, you know, that sort of thing, and mm. this kind of general paranoia. That's about as dark as it gets, you know, in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So a character like Frank Castle, who you know operates very much over the line in a vigilante world, would be wouldn't fit tonally in that that world. Uh, but he fits perfectly, you know, in the 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 the, the, uh, the Netflix Marvel universe because that is street level, and it is you know tonally a much uh, darker. Uh, landscape, so uh, works there. You know, I think. I, uh, I think the Avengers need to just go to Hell's Kitchen. The, the problems there <laughs> seem to be worse than everywhere else. Yeah, but it's sort of like it's it's, it's sort of like, like 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 shooting flies with a with a shotgun. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> uh, the, the collateral damage would be pretty bad, as we saw. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a kind of fascinating. Uh, point that that, that that the Netflix uh, shows are, I, I think, are, are going to attempt to address, which is what what does a world look like when you're not, you know, when you're when you're not flying over Manhattan uh, to, to battle uh, the Chiari, uh, but when you're actually down on the ground uh, with the rubble landing around you, you know, we just we don't we really don't see that we're, 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 the, the, the Marvel universe is a battle of elites uh, and the Netflix Marvel universe is the, the real people. Uh, and I think that's kind of neat. Uh, we hear a lot from like writers and history creators that we've had on our show that uh, writing comics and even drawing comics is a young man's game. Yet here you are and spiral sold it was one of the top-selling books when it was coming out. Um, yeah. what, what do you think has been your key to staying in the game or with Marvel, you know, for so long? A childish mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think you know, keeping your enthusiasm and keeping keeping uh, uh, current, you know, on on what's going on is is key. A lot of the guys who lose their way, you know, lose their relevance. Uh, lose their re- relevance primarily because they stop enjoying comics, uh, and they st- they they enjoy the uh, experience of the comics that they read years and years and years ago, and don't see the value in the in the new stuff. I'm a big fan of actually a lot of the stuff that comes out now. Uh, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of of independent comics and uh, image comics, and I like. A lot of Marvel stuff and a lot of a lot of DC stuff, and what attracts me is not you know the more I mean even though I write in a fairly traditional way, what what attracts me as a as a reader is actually the the less traditional comics. Uh, so even though I'm writing you know a, a more traditional version of the of these this material, I at least think I, I'm conscious of what is going on uh, in the more uh, uh, modern exp- and, and postmodern versions of these things. So I'm not like hopelessly uh, clueless you know, about about the changes. I may choose to ignore them, you know, but at least I know uh, what's going on. I mean, I remember when I was uh, starting out in comics and reading uh, uh, Marvel and DC, 
you could tell when, when you, when the books were being written by people who didn't read the current books, you know, people like, like Bob Haney, who is a very talented writer and, uh, is somebody who was, who was dismissed at the time, you know, as, as a, as a hack, uh, it wasn't that, that his, that, that he, that he couldn't do it. It's that he didn't enjoy comics. You know, he didn't read them for fun. He didn't know what was going on. So his stuff always felt tone deaf. You know, it always felt like it was, was being written by somebody with a sense of contempt for uh, what was current. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that my stuff is, is, is any better or worse than any of my contemporaries, but I really like what's going on in comics for the most part. So I'm enthusiastic about it. And that means that I'm trying to listen to the, the, the kind of voices, the way people are telling stories now, the way they're pacing them. And I'm trying to at least be, to be aware of that. Uh, and I think that may come across a bit in, in what I'm doing, hopefully. Um, you know, and, and, and whatever tone deaf stuff, you know, creeps in, you know, is just sort of an inevitable result of me being of a different generation. So, but, but you know, I, at least I like what's going on, you know, and I think that's something that, uh, I would recommend to any of my contemporaries who want to, want to keep working in the business. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, um, I don't know. Dan, do you have anything else you want to throw in no, there? No, this has uh, been great. I, I'm super excited about your Carnage series. Well, thanks. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, don't just don't, don't don't expect it to be great literature. It's supposed to be scary and fun. That's that's the basic idea. Hey, we're reading the Spider Island miniseries, and I'm enjoying the hell out of that. And it is like as '90s punching monstery <laughs> as as it gets. So. You know, I'm I'm in the mood for more of those monsters. Let's let's bring it on. Okay. Yeah, we even have we even have a shout out to the great Captain America Cap Wolf run from the uh, <laughs> early, early '90s. So I mean, cool. like that's that's as good as it gets. No, I mean, I, I think it's great because you know it's it's because we you know I think Dan and I've even talked about this when when we addressed Carnage and other times. It's you know this idea that he's he's a monster and it's like let's just treat him as that you know and mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's. What you're doing, so yep. uh, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to make to him it. a hero. I'm not. Try, I'm not trying to to get into his deep psychological roots. You know, I'm just trying to make him somebody who's fun to watch do horrible things. <laughs> and, and 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 what's better than that? Yeah. <laughs> that is that is the peak of cultural entertainment. I would like to say so. All right. Well, Jerry, do you want to do you want to plug anything else for yourself in terms of you know either online or website or uh, other work or anything else? No, people can follow me on Twitter. It's just Jerry Conway, G E R R Y C O N W Y, W A Y, and uh, I also have a Tumblr. Same same uh, uh, link, and uh, I write occasionally on that stuff and and. I'm also going to be doing a Firestorm miniseries uh, after the first of the year, so hopefully that'll come out too uh, and gain some int- gain some attention. Excellent, terrific. Amazing friend. 
Well, thanks again, as always, to Jerry for coming and joining us on the show. Mark, it, it never uh, fails to, uh, I guess, amuse me or uh, I don't even know what word I'm looking for here, but that we get Jerry on the show. I mean, a year ago, I couldn't even have fathomed to talk to Jerry Conway, much less have him on our show three times. I know. I mean, I think I kind of like on a whim reached out to him on Twitter, like, want to come on our show? And he was like, oh, yeah, sure. Now I'm like, ah, just email him. Ah, hey, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you even used the font that made it sound like you, like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this interview was a lot of fun I had a great time and I couldn't believe how much he told us about the Carnage story Yeah, that, that series sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun I'm really looking forward to that I was already, with him being attached to it, I was already looking forward to it But this, is, this, is, this should be real fun I'm just hoping for some forward movement with Eddie Brock That's a character I miss quite a bit Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, and I mean, even John Jameson, I mean, you know, we haven't really gotten uh, a, a Jameson story in a dog's year, pun intended. I guess, <laughs> yeah, since like <laughs> the beginning of big time. Yeah. Was that like the last time we saw him? I think so. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, of course, guys, uh, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com. And you can also find all those old Jerry Conway episodes on there. Uh, those ones are still going to be great listens uh, even now. And uh, Of course, you can find us also on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a comment or a review as a great way to help us grow our community, and be discovered by new listeners. And it's been a while since we've gotten one of those, so, you know, we're at 88 of them. Let's push it to 100. Come on, guys. You can help us get there. Come and, on, people. Yeah, and, uh, of course, if you have any opinions on the comics that we discussed today or any questions, please be sure to email them to us at amazingspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read those on the air as well. Yeah, and while you're... Checking in on us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Gmail. Also, be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing. Uh, Dan and I will put up articles. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about our feelings and what's going on. I'll give updates on Uncle Ben, whether he's alive or dead at the moment. You know, lots of stuff. Flash. Flash is recovering from his illness. Uh, you know, he, he thought he just had that he drank the uh, the worm in a tequila bottle. And I, I had to explain to him that, no, he had the stomach flu the same as I did. As always, if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, be sure to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, hosted by Brian, Kyle, and Noor. I know they're on a bit of a break because Ultimate, well, it's over, but it's... Miles Morales is on a break, but, uh, you know, check out that show. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, our theme song is courtesy of Ryland Bojack, and our outro song comes from Magic. And all another special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friends, and Sal Busema for our show's artwork. Uh, special note, if you want to prepare for our next Essentials episode, we're going to be discussing Mark's pick. Uh, what pick did you have here, Mark? Uh, yeah, well, we're going to talk about Sensational Spider-Man Annual Number 1, also known as To Have and To Hold. That was the uh, number one Peter and MJ story when I was doing that list on your site recently, Dan. So, um, yeah, you should read that. <laughs> Where can we find you on the Internet? 
yeah, well, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at ChasingASM blog. And, you know, I'm still writing on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, wrapping up a Spider-Man Fantastic Four countdown and, and gearing up for more fun features over the next couple of weeks. Dan, what about you? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me the same places on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. I got my Renew Your Vows number five review up today. And, Mark, you haven't even read the book yet. So, uh That'll be that'll be interesting to see your perspective when we record our show tomorrow. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazin or my Spider-Man account at Sup Spider Talk. Um, but Mark, I, I I wanted to talk to you about this. Your poor Aunt May, she just must be devastated. Oh yeah, why? What happened? Uh, to hear that Uncle Ben died in a mining accident. What a tragedy! D- do you think it has anything to do with that dastardly Carnage symbiote? Yeah, Dan, you know, um, this this was a little sad. Un- Uncle Ben, of course, uh, he's he's a bit of uh, an environmentalist, uh, or was, you know, with the ponytail and everything. And, um, you know, he, he was actually at uh, a coal mine protesting, you know, some, some fracking. Um, Is that what they even do though- in coal mines? <laughs> well, you know, it was it was it was it was a natural gas exploration to a neighboring coal mine. Gotcha. It, this is this is a hotbed of energy here, and you know, Uncle Ben was all like solar power this and and wind power that, and and then all of a sudden that symbiote just dropped in and was like, how about some carnage power? And you know, honestly, like you would have thought that carnage murdered Uncle Ben, but Uncle Ben died. From rolling his eyes so hard at like what kind of cheesy line from Carnage is that? And like when is anybody ever going to get Carnage right? Uh, just, just it, he just killed over and dropped dead because Carnage was was just so one note and terribly written. But then Jerry Conway showed up, and it was just like, oh, Mark, I'm I'm really sorry about your uncle Ben. Um, but you know, we're actually going to just have a really fun monster book with, uh, carnage. So, um, I'm sorry again about your uncle Ben, uh, go green power. And, uh, just remember with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. 